Well, can I get Steve and Ellie, can y'all come up real briefly? Um, and y'all give a round of applause for them. And just thank them so much for, for stepping in and for filling in. Um, Steve has served on staff for a little bit over 25 years. Uh, right now he serves part-time and he directs all the ministries uh, to the prisons in the area that Bellevue does. Um, and him and Ellie have been married for over 50 years and they love sharing their story. They love sharing some of the wisdom that they've learned. Um, earlier I was talking with Steve and he said, well, we're not perfect, but the Lord has definitely brought us through a lot. And so they have stepped up. They just want to share some of that wisdom with you. And I'm not going to tell any more of their story because they will do a much better job of that. So please give a round of applause to Steve and Ellie. You know, we appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, of course, uh, we've known Tim and Susan for a long time, and they've been a very important part of our life, and I'm sure many of you here, and he will be incredibly missed without question. You know, we, uh, I talked to Tim a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, we're doing this class. Would you and Ellie be willing to come? And we said yes, and we just didn't know it would be this quick. You know, there's several nights, and I want to encourage you to stay the course on it, Okay. Because what we share tonight hopefully will be of help to some of you. And let me just say this. We don't have all the answers. You know, our marriage, as, he, as Josiah just said, 50-plus years. But we've made mistakes, and we've learned a lot of stuff in 50 years. If you don't, you got a problem, right, if you don't learn. But we're still together. And so, you know, hopefully we'll share some stuff that that will be beneficial to you. There were p folks in our past that shared things uh, with us that literally is why we're still here tonight. I mean, there's, you know, uh, we had some road, some road bumps and, and hiccups in, in our marriage that we had to work through and uh, thank the Lord that he saw us through it, that he brought us together in the beginning and he's kept us together. And that's been a secret that he's been at the center of everything that, that we've done. I want to read just uh, two or three verses to, to kind of set the stage because tonight we're talking about really how to value one another, how to value each other and uh, enjoying our life together, you know, the things we do. And then what we also, before I read the scripture, there's a little half sheet there. And on that half sheet, you can write any question you want, Okay. You know, it might make it easier for you to write a question out that you might not ask otherwise, all right? And uh, anything's fair. Anything's fair game. And so, but let me read this scripture while you're thinking along the line. But really, anything about marriage, and we'll try to, to answer it best we can. And again, we, you know, we're not authorities on it. But in, in Philippians chapter 2, the scripture says this beginning in verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others. And as we say this, thinking of others, your spouse, is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take the interest in others too. You know, that's the basis for what we're talking about tonight in valuing one another. Uh, we have, why don't you tell them a little bit about our family so they get a feel for that. We have been married 50 years. Uh, we have two children, one boy and one girl. We have two grandchildren, one boy, one girl. And um, they have been the... Um, main part of my life. Um, I taught school for 20 years. My children attended the same school where I taught, and so uh, I actually had them in class. And um, then since my grandchildren have been born, I've babysat for them um, anywhere from five days a week. We're down to just car line occasionally now. But um, it, I've been highly involved in their lives. I feel like that's one of the main callings of my life. Uh, as a young girl, my only aspirations passed being a ballerina, and these legs were not made for the stage, um, <laughs> was to be a mom. And so um, I, that uh, 
goal, that uh, desire of my heart has been filled and uh, now getting to live it out as a mammal. And so it's really special. Uh, you want me to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Um, Derek Ewalt uh, invited us to be part of a panel a few years ago. And, I, and he reminded Steve of the one statement I made that kind of blew him away, and we'll just start out with that tonight. In looking at enjoying one another and valuing one another, uh, in all those things, we may be the odd couple here, but he is not my best friend. I am not his best friend. And if you ever... And let me say this. You know, I go to get anniversary cards, and, all, and always so many of them say, for my best friend. So I stick those back in the deal. And we're going to expand on that a little bit because, but I'll let her do that. Well, I mean, just in thinking about it, if I want to, if I, like, for instance, my wedding present was a set of golf clubs. Got cute little socks with the ball on the back. You remember? No, y'all are old enough to remember the ball on the back, but they were cute little golf socks, had the ball on the back. And uh, so we played golf on our honeymoon. After the series, golfers went home, then he would take me out and we would play golf. Well, it did not take me long to realize if I had four hours to spend, that was not the way I wanted to do it. He kind of got aggravated when my ball would go in the woods. He would kind of get aggravated when I wasn't competitive. And that was his whole goal of being out there was being competitive. He tried to teach me how to play racquetball. He said, can't you move any faster than that? <laughs> I threw the racquetball racket down, and I have not been in a court since. <laughs> These legs were not made for speed either, you have to understand. So you, uh, where we are coming from, we deeply love one another. We are committed to our marriage and to the things that will promote a healthy marriage. But saying he's my best friend, if I, if I want to go to lunch, I invite my girlfriends. You see what I'm saying? I'm just throwing that out there, not for an example for you, but to say it's okay if you're not best friends. If you are best friends, wow, that's wonderful. Maybe you ought to change places with us. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. You know, we, uh, I, I've got two things I enjoy doing. I like to play golf, and I've done that for now almost 60 years. And I hunt. And so, obviously, she doesn't play golf anymore. You know, a few years ago, I did get her to be involved in a scramble, but you know, she won't go back to the golf course, and she doesn't like to hunt. And so, in order to to enjoy life. I've got some guys I play golf with. I've got some guys I hunt with. And so that would be, if, if, if I'm asking for a close friend, one of those guys would be my closest friend, one of them. And then uh, and one of the guys that I served with here all these years, a retired for year, we're very close. He is my accountability partner. But, you know, we laugh about the friend deal because I hear people talking about it. And like Ellie said, that's great. If your wife or your husband is your best friend, that's wonderful. It's just not been the case. It's not been our case, and we've laughed about it. But there's nobody in the world, apart from Jesus, I love more than her. And there's nobody in the world that I'm closer to than her. She knows the good parts about me and the bad parts about me. But the other thing is, we're talking about value. She, she is so important to my life in so many areas particularly our spiritual area. We, we have taught life group now for 35 years, 40 years probably. have been in the ministry over 40 years. But we've taught life group together. And when I say that, we, we teach just like we are up here. On, every Sunday here at Bellevue, we've got an a adult class, and we, teach, we team teach, which when we first did it about 10 years ago or 12 years ago, uh, no, it's been longer than that. About 19 years ago now. Uh, it was kind of odd to see a couple teaching at the same time. But that's the way we've always worked. When we go on mission trips, most everything we do in missions, and that's where I've served here so long, we do together. We teach together. We go together. And, and you know, we are, are inseparable when it comes to that part of our life. You know, we, we've served together and all that. And so... 
value. I can't imagine doing ministry or doing life without her. And I think Ellie would say the same thing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, some of you maybe remember the days before cell phones. Well, Steve was a senior pastor. Before the Lord called us into missions, he was pastoring. And um, my favorite part of the week was hospital calls because that was before the day of cell phones. And we had 30 minutes from the church to the hospitals. That meant nobody could get in touch with him for 30 minutes. He was all mine. And then we would make our hospital rounds, and then I had him 30 minutes all to myself all the way home. And so it was a very special time for me, not only getting to be part of the ministry of hospital visits, and I love hospital calls, because nobody that's really sick doesn't want you to pray for them. <laughs> so that's always a welcoming kind of a thing. You know, people say, sure, come on in uh, type of deal. And then to, to have that time to be alone, to be able to talk uninterrupted was uh, always very special. You know, our, some say about, well, tell us about our spiritual walk. Well, generally, you know, uh, we, sp we, we close out every day with prayer together. You know, we get, we get in bed, hold each other's hands, and we alternate nights praying for our family, praying for whatever the needs are in our life, and that's the way we go to sleep, and that's been a very, very important part. Generally in the mornings, unless one of us has to go early or whatever, you know, we begin the morning with, uh, with our devotional time. And, but that has been a mainstay in our life. We, if it were not for the Lord, we would not be standing here tonight. You know, he's the one that's, like I said, brought us together in the beginning, and he's the one that's kept us together. And, you know, the enemy we know is alive and well, and his goal is to cheat, steal, and destroy to destroy your marriage. And you need to be very wise at all the things that are going on in life today that will steal your, steal your marriage. I mean, it's just that simple because his, his goal is to destroy it. And so it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of being able to say, I'm sorry. It's a matter of being totally open with one another. Totally open. And, that, and that's been a secret of our life. No secrets. One of the things that has helped us as much as anything are spiritual gifts, recognizing each other's spiritual gifts. And if you have not done the spiritual gifts testing, I really, really encourage you to do that. It is on the Bellevue website. Um, they did have little paper booklets that you could get, but it is on the website. You can take the test and find out your spiritual gift. Have your spouse also take the test and reveal their spiritual gifts. When you understand where the other person comes from and how they're operating, it will help you to understand each other in a different sort of way. Also, personality testings. If you understand the basics of your uh, spouse's um, personality, how they operate, what they're the major parts are, you know, their strengths, and then what the weaknesses are of those personality types will really help you. For instance, Steve is an extremely strong person. He is an administrator from the word go. He does not deal in details at all. And he, you know, he sees the big picture. And so when he would say, we'd have people coming over. And I would have worked my head off, you know, to get everything ready. He's, did you see that spot on the carpet? I've worked endlessly, but he saw the one spot on the carpet. But he would, I used to talk, teach PE, okay? Forget that. Okay, so, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and so he... After I've had this whole day of elementary students in, in PE, he would walk through a gym and say, do you see those chairs over there? Some kid could get hurt. Not what I wanted to hear. But he was seeing the big picture and having it organized and set apart. For me, I'm, just the, I'm an encourager. I also am extremely slow in most everything I do. And I just, I, I, he said I had a demon of procrastination, but I had to say him straight there was no such thing. So, so I learned to make lists. But anyway, 
you see how the two personalities, total opposites, total opposites. But once I, I looked over those spiritual giftings and, and those strong points and those weak points of those spiritual gifts and in those personality um, things, then I was able to say he can't help himself, you see. And so, but to be able to understand that, and I think it helped him to understand me as well in that when, you know, I'm doing what I do, then it's an encouragement along the way to complete where he's weak. Give you one more example. I have always been uh, in charge of the finances in our home. He, you know, we've set up the budget and together, and this is, you know, how we are going to spend the money and all those kind of things. But there have been lots of times when the money has been extremely tight. And I was under a lot of pressure because I didn't, wasn't sure, you know, what to pay and what not to pay and those kinds of things. And he said, I don't want you under this. I'm going to take it over. Well, about a month later, I found out a bill had not been paid. And I said, this kind of help I don't need. <laughs> because he sees the big picture, not the details. And so he calls the big shots, you know, he, and then I come along and make the details. You know, let me, let me just say something about finances because, you know, those uh, professional counselors who deal with marriage all the time say so there's two major areas of marriages that create problems. One's money, and the other one's the sexual part of marriage. That's the two big, the two big areas of problem. And let me just say the things we've learned over the years financially. You know, we never make any decision of any sorts, really, of any significance without we talk about it. You know. You know, she would say, even though I was the main, once we, she left school teaching, we got into missions, she's not, she's not worked. I mean, she's worked plenty, and let me say that carefully, yeah. because she works every day, ladies, you understand that. But she's not received a paycheck, so it would be easy to say, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the breadwinner, I'm bringing in the money, then I ought to be able to make the decisions. Well, that's never been the case. I can't remember, to be honest, and since we've been at Bellevue, it's been a direct deposit. She's always, she's always handled it. But it's not my money, it's our money. Everything is ours. And, you know, I know a lot of marriage uh, folks will tell you whether well, the husband should handle all the finances. Well, I mean, what we found out, that was not a workable thing, <laughs> all right? You know, and I say to young couples now and couples, it's whoever's best at doing it, do it. Okay? And don't feel bad about it. You know, I've never felt bad. And, I mean, she's done an incredible job all these 50 years. And sometimes she's had to almost be a magician making ends meet when there wasn't enough to make ends meet. You all understand that? When there's not enough to make ends meet? Yeah. You know, we were early years. We were both teaching. And, and the school system we worked in paid you once a month. Okay? The 30th of the month was payday. And I'm telling you, when it got to be the 25th, 26th, 27th, there wasn't anything left in the pot. And it was tough. And we remember those days. And, and so it's important financially to, one, to your, your, uh, your credit is so important, but your decisions need to be a joint decision. It's not your money or their money. It's our money. And, and to look at it from that point of view. You know, and that will solve a lot of the problems and to learn to live within your means. We, net, we always, you know, we're very thrifty in what we do. And, you know, we're always looking for a bargain. And, you know, that's, that's allowed us. You know, in our early, my early ministry didn't make much money. And so you had to live that way. But it's been important. That's never been an area. And the other thing financially is we began day one honoring the Lord in our giving. That was never a question, all right? That was the first thing that came out. We honored the Lord in our giving, and God has always provided. I can stand here and tell you after 71 years that God has always provided. My dad and mother taught me, you know, even when we got those first allowance, that 10% of that went to the Lord. And that's something that we've agreed on. Now, today we do it, uh, we do online giving. I'm not a big fan of as Brother Steve is, of online giving. We do it that way because I always felt like giving was a part of worship, and so 
to bring our tithes and offerings each week and give it was just an act of worship. Well, you know, we succumbed to pressure of the world, I guess, in that part. But Well, COVID know, did us in. Well, COVID did that. <laughs> That's true. You know, COVID changed a lot of things. But, but we give online, but it's never a question. That way, you know, we know that, that, that our, our giving and our tithes and offerings are going to be given, and, and it's not, there's no question about it. We've never questioned it. And, uh, you know, our, our children are the same way, which I've been so proud of them. You know, our daughter talked to her today, and, and she just said, you know, one of the first things we're doing is we're giving the Lord. They just got, uh, she just got a bonus and said the first thing goes to, to our church. And I was, you know, so proud to hear that. But that's something it, that is, that's been so important to us because we believe if you'll honor the Lord, you know, that 90% or whatever's left will be always be enough to meet every need in your life. And so I encourage that, and I encourage you that whoever's best at taking care of the finances, uh, take care. And I'm talking about they're primarily paying the bills, but not making the decisions because the financial decisions should be a joint effort. We, we firmly believe that, and that's what allowed us to, to really uh, to, to be able to make it. And now we're making plans, you know, uh, Nobody in here is our age, but, you know, there's a point where you begin to think about end-of-life plans. You know, I'm sure Tim was not, you know, not thinking about that at 53 years old. You normally don't think about it. But, you know, we have no guarantee but today. You know, my dad, my dad, I was, we were in Israel with my dad and mother, and he was 55 years old, leaned back in his bus seat and had a massive coronary and died right there in the Sinai Desert. 55 years old and so Tim was 53 so you know it changed our whole world so you know we don't have any guarantee about that but you know we have been very we've been very good about looking ahead making plans thinking about retirement and all those things and so a good financial plan is important let me just say that to you uh, don't don't spend everything you've got you know think uh, you know there's some rainy days ahead for for all of us and to be able to plan and and to think about the future and what you want to do at some point of retirement or whatever, uh, that's all important. So let me encourage you as you think of your finances to do that. Right. All right. In, uh, on your syllabus, that, um, or at least the one we were sent, in talking about enjoying life together, we talked about hobbies, the things that you enjoy doing together or that you agree with that, you know, you can do separately and have your time, have your money to enjoy those. Um, things of interest. Our, our main thing of interest has, has always been ministry. It's one of the things that um, God didn't call Stephen to ministry. He called us into ministry. And I, I firmly believe that. But find areas of interest that you can serve together, that you can um, enjoy together. The valuing of each other, recognizing each other's giftings and personalities, and you celebrate those instead of allowing it to pull you apart. Because you know that we are so different. Even those of you that seemingly are a lot alike, you really are different. And so uh, accept those and celebrate those instead of allowing them to, to pull you apart. Um, just another example, um, when Steve gets home from work, he's immediately, after he eats supper, wants to go outside and do stuff, you know, just be active because he's been in an office situation all day. Well, after supper and I get the kitchen cleaned up, I want to be on the couch. And so I always love it when the time changes and it starts getting dark early <laughs> because he can't ask me to come outside and do anything. <laughs> So, you know, you, you, you learn how to operate in these. You pray for dark, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever it takes. Uh, but to, to recognize each other's uh, differences. And then looking at household responsibilities. Taking care of the children, um, mowing the grass, um, vacuuming, whatever it is. You need to have some blunt discussions about them. It is not my house and his work. That's not fair. They are 
our children, not my children. And so to be able to share those responsibilities and whoever has the time, whoever has the interest. I made the mistake here last year. I've always mown the grass. I enjoy mowing the grass because when you clean up the house, it's dirty. You know, 30 minutes later, somebody walks through and it's immediately messed up again. The grass stays mowed <laughs> for at least five days. And so it's really rewarding. Hey, hey, don't, hey, don't let her tell you she mows the grass. No, I was getting to that. Okay. Here, I, I didn't want them to be uh, like, here what's about he a, do? About two years ago or so, because of me wanting to be on the couch and him wanting to be active, he kind of, he's taken over the mowing. And so when he comes home at night, he might, he, when I mow, I did it all at once. Because, you know, you got to wash the hair and then you got to fix it and all that stuff. Well, a quick shower for him, five minutes, he's in and out, so no big deal, see. So, he would mow the front yard tonight, and then he'd mow the backyard tomorrow night, and then he'd get to the side yard, and, and he's just enjoying himself, and I'm over here shouting hallelujahs, so, you know, go to it. And so, he, but last year I made the mistake of saying, you know, if you get a little closer to the edge there, that stuff wouldn't be growing up like it is. Yeah, he didn't like it. And so um, I, I've had to learn to either mow it again or keep my opinions to myself. Yeah, she's learning, and it's after 50 years. You know, there are certain things you say and don't say to your partner, right? So now I've learned to say, thank you. The yard looks so good. All right, let's, let us stop just for a second. Have you got, anybody got anything written down that, uh, that your questions are? Just hold up your hands and ask a question. Anything that we've touched on that you say, hey, tell us a little bit more about that, your thoughts on it or, you know, what if, uh, what's important. Yes. Right. That's a great question. You know, I did tell my wife for years she had a demon of procrastination. Her philosophy is why I do something today when I always do it tomorrow, you know, and that drove me crazy. And so what she started doing, and it did create some tension. You know, we've not been a couple that's always pointed each other's weakness out gently, all right? <laughs> So we'll go a day without talking to each other. You know, you get in bed, you're back to back, and, you know, there's no prayer tonight because both of us are so mad we can't do it. You know, that's the honest truth, you know. So, but, but what happened out of some of that, today my wife is an incredible uh, maker of lists. And she just lists everything that needs to be done, and she checks it off which she has learned to do that over the last 25 years, honestly. And, and what it's done, it's, it, even though she still subscribes to that philosophy, <laughs> why I do it today when you do it tomorrow, it's still, it's not a problem. It's not been a problem any longer. And then, you know, she'll point out things to me, but, you know, it's just the timing has to be right, okay? That's the first thing. Don't. You don't do it when it's evident what's not working, all right? That's the worst time. And again, understanding that what she's weak in, and I may see it differently, she sees what I'm weak. And, and, and we've learned just through trial and error again of how to deal with those particular deals. Recognizing that God made her that way, okay? 
You know, that's not a bad thing. He made her that way. She doesn't charge off and do things like I would in decision-wise. We, we really mellow each other out, and even more so in 50 years. You can imagine the things we've gone through and learned. And, and the beauty of her, you know, we early on, she, she loves vacationing. If she could do one thing on vacation the rest of her life, it's been her favorite thing is to go to the beach, set up a chair and an umbrella, and stay for seven days. She wouldn't even come in at night if she wasn't afraid to be out there in the dark. I mean, that's, that's, her, that's what she enjoys, reading just right there in the ocean and, and nothing more. Takes her food, her drinks, and just sets her all day long. You got that. All day And to long. me, that is the most boring thing in the world. Why would anybody want to go sit in a chair, stare at the ocean, and nothing's happening? Now, I've learned to go with my grandkids and play in the water. And, and when my other, the rest of our larger family goes, we play volleyball, we'll do something. But generally, early on, we would, I would go with my brother or some of the other guys. We play golf. She goes to the beach. And we've, we've gone, I've gone to the beach before for a full week and never touched the water once on more than one occasion. And, you know, that was fine. We knew going, that's what was going to happen. It made her happy. Me going to play golf and doing these other things made me happy. We came together at night, went out to eat, and we had a wonderful vacation. Generally, we, we generally would never go alone. We'd take our family or my brother and his family. It's a larger group generally. But that, that's the way because that's what she enjoys. She's quiet. She loves to sit and read, which I would never do that. You know, my reading on all these years is because I needed to read. I don't want to read. You know, I'll, you know, I'll read maybe a hunting magazine or something, but I, I'm just not a reader. And uh, so that's how, but, but I see that, and if I can make a place for her to do that, I know she's going to be happy in doing that. And I recognize that makes her happy. And if, she, you know, if she's happy, I'm happy, or vice versa. Yeah. If mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah. yeah, we learned that. But what, back to your question, I would say um, setting a, a time to talk. There's some things that we need to talk about, and I need you to hear my heart, that I love you. I believe in us. I want this thing called marriage to work and be as, as good as it can be. But when you forget my shirts at the laundry, it just drives me up a wall. You know, when you do this, it really throws my week in havoc. You know, or when you don't do this, you know, whatever it is. To, and to be able to, to preface it in love, to be able to say, I don't want this to be a fight. I don't want this to be a problem. And let me say, that's where a lot of it ends up, okay, in an argument or a fight, because we don't do it like what she's talking about. And that's where I learned to make my list. Yeah. And anything that he asked me to do or that he thought was important to be done, I put it at the top of the she, list. And I learned this from a marriage class many, many years ago, and then for survival. But what he asked me to do goes at the top of the list, and then what I thought needed to be done was, you know, on down the list. I also learned to do things that I hate to do at the top of the list. If I have to mop the kitchen, it's on number two or three, uh, right under what anything that he might want or need for the day. And then if I hate it, it goes at the top of the list, so that means I get it done. And then the rest of the day, I can take it my own pace. If it doesn't get done, nobody blame myself. Nobody's going to get mad but myself, you know, that type of thing. And so it's, that's a way that it's, it's worked for me to be able to keep our home running harmoniously. And um, so I remember. You know, let me say this. If you have areas that consistently come up, okay, it's, it's like a cycle. You deal with it, and then before long, boom, we're right back there. Same old problem. 
Make the cycle, boom, it comes up again, it comes up again. That's a point where I encourage you to seek counsel. Now, a lot of times people say, well, you know, if I go to counseling, people think we're weak, we can't. I'm telling you, we wouldn't be here if it weren't from the counsel of others. All right? There was, and, and so let me encourage you. If you've got problem areas in your marriage that keep cycling up, that have been there, then, then sit down with a counselor and let them look at it. It, it, may be, it may be one of your problems that you're dealing with, okay? And they give a third party, gives insight, godly insight into what's going on. But, you know, what happens, these cyclic things that keep coming up are the reason people walk away from each other. They finally get tired and say, hey, it ain't working. I'm fed up with it. Well, you know, when you, when you made those vows, you know what? God joined together, let no man put asunder. It's only the enemy and others who would try to break that. And it's, a, and it's, a, it's work. Marriage is work. And it's tough at times. But don't allow anyone or the enemy to steal your marriage because of your unwillingness to get help. To ask for help is strength. It's not a weakness. You know, I told you, we've had some bumps in the road over the years, about 40 years ago. We've been married about 10 years at that point in time. We had a major bump. And it was, you know, godly counsel that kept us together. You know, we could have, we could have just turned and walked. And, but we did. We, we worked through it, and it took a while. But something came out of that. And that something was... Here's the situation. My wife was doing all these things that she thought said, I love you. All right? Tell, tell them some of the things you were doing. I thought keeping a perfect house was saying, I love you. I thought cooking meals, you know, full meals every single night was saying, I love you. Now, she grew up in a home where her mother... Every day when her dad got home from work, man, there was a hot meal on the table. There was a hot meal on the table. She, she and saw a, that. And a fresh dessert every night. Homemade. 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 And, yeah. and so that, I was doing those things and killing myself in the process because you've I've already told you I'm slow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm lazy. Let's get it out there. And so for me to have this house looking good, and then to have this good meal on the table, as well as raising kids at the same time and teaching school time, I was killing myself. I was thinking I was saying, I love you. It was not saying, I love you, to him. So what happened out of a counseling time, we came up with a list. And that list was 10 things. We did it independently. We just listed one all the way down to ten. These are ways that I can say to her. No. I, Ellie, I ask Ellie, what are ten ways no. I can say I love you? We're going to have a yeah, fight right no. here. No. I made my list to say ten ways that, I, that say right. I love you to me. Okay, right. That's what I'm saying. Yes. And his list said, was ten These ways are ten things, right. to say I love you to me. You know, a clean house was not it on there. It wasn't that. even on the list. An evening meal was not on there because McDonald's is fine with me anytime, even at my age. Even a bologna and cheese sandwich is okay as long as I made it. Well, I could do that when he pulled in the driveway. No big whoopee, you know. You see, and so, but here I was killing myself trying to say I love you, and I wasn't saying I love you. Let me give you an example. You know, I didn't... I didn't buy flowers because flowers are, well, excuse me, let me reword it. Flowers were a waste of money. Why? Because you buy them, and if they're cut flowers seven days, they're dead, what do you do? You throw them away. What do you have? You don't have anything to show for it. Boy, was I wrong. You know, they are the best investment that a man can make in our situation because on her list, Near the top was, give me flowers. I don't care if they're Kroger flowers. I don't care if they're picked out of the yard. I don't care if, well, now Costco, Costco's the best deal going. I want y'all to know it. And so, and so 
But that still says, I love you to me, to receive flowers. Like he said, he always thought flowers were the biggest waste of money in the whole world. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. Some of you young moms out here, another thing on my list was let me go to bed early. Once I put the babies to bed, then I could go to bed occasionally. I didn't have to stay up till the news went off. <laughs> See? And so that said, I love you. Ellie, why don't you go? I know you've had a tough day. Why don't you go and go to bed? Yes. See, <laughs> that, was, that said, I love you to me. So, you know, I made my list. You know, my list, number one, guys, make love to me. That was number, number two, number three, <laughs> number four. It's, it's kind of repetitive. You know, some things don't change. It's still, it's still number one on my list, okay? But, you know, when we wrote those, I think both of us were shocked. You mean, that's, that says I love you? You know, and, and we were like, wow, why didn't we do this early in our marriage? We wouldn't be where we are right now if we had done that. I'd have bought those flowers a long time ago and felt good about it. Till I, till I, see, till I see the petals falling <laughs> off on the floor, okay? I mean, I would have done it a long time. But it literally, these lists literally saved our marriage at a really crucial time uh, and when we were, I mean, we could have gone the other way because we were doing all these things thinking, man, I love you, and this should say I love you. And they were like, that doesn't make any difference to me. Like she said, you know, if she'd had McDonald's stacked on the table, I'd have been fine with me. It's no big deal. And it's still today, you know, and she yep. works hard. Yeah, we we you know we're at that age. We've had our our share of surgeries, and by teaching a, a life group, you know our people are so gracious to us, and they're always wanting to to bring food when when we have a surgery or something. And I've told them, no, please don't, because he's kind of a picky eater. And so if you could just uh, a McDonald's gift card, you know, <laughs> um, Burger King gift card, throw in an occasional Pizza Hut. You know, that, that, that would be glorious. No sense in you wasting your time cooking this wonderful meal, and then he's not going to eat it. See, so um, we, just, we just do it. You know, if whatever works for you, do it. If it whatever, do it. But let me, let me encourage you. If you don't hear anything from us tonight but this, go home and make your list. You know, you may not feel like you need it, but you're going to see some things on there that you, hey, I didn't even think about that. I didn't know that was that important to you. And then that way, guys, you can hold on to that list and then occasionally just pull it out and look at it and say, yeah, I want to do something that says I love you and you've got the top three or four things, you know. And, you know, and I run by Costco every now and then, not pretty regularly, yeah. and by Rosa's. I mean, she loves it. You know, like she said, she doesn't care where they come from. You don't have to spend $100 for a dozen roses at the florist when you go by there for $17.99 and get two dozen, right? Oh, where they see that's and I'm always looking for that. But that says so, one, she knows how down deep I feel about flowers. Okay, I still feel that way down deep. But I recognize when I walk in with those, she knows, man. He had to get over the feeling he had by these because they say, I love you. All right? And, and I'm just telling you, it, it, saved our, it saved our marriage and the Lord in the midst of that because, you know, we didn't recognize again. It's a recognition of what makes each other tick. All right? It's a recognition of what we feel are important. And a lot of that comes from... Your, your home of origin, where you grew up, watching your mom and dad, how they lived. You know, I grew up in a Christian home with a wonderful dad. I had a br one brother, and, and, you know, the things. She grew up in a home with two sisters and a mom and dad. And, and the things that she, you know, that they did were radically different. You know, we came, I'm from Indiana. She's from right here in Memphis, and, and things were radically different. So... You always bring stuff, good and bad stuff, from your past into your marriage. And then that's when you got to try to make it all work. See it, make it all fit together. All right? 
We've got just a few more minutes, but maybe I don't want to miss a good, if you got a question or something. Yes, yes. Right. Yes. Well, when, when I first, we were both teaching school. And anyway, I got the invitation to come back to our home church. Uh, my dad was a pastor at the time. And, and to come back and be a minister of recreation and teach in the school at our church. And so that was the decision we had to pray about because it changed everything for us. And it was a matter of her working through that to feel like, yes, I feel like that's what God wants us to do. Because it was an easy move. She was already teaching there. And so that was an easy move. Our big move for us, the call was in 1997. When God, we had gone to India on a mission trip, our church. And we came back and I sensed that God was calling us to leave our church. I was senior pastor of the church to leave the church and go work with the mission organization. And I knew it. I knew it. But when I shared with her, it was a real struggle at first. And, and she prayed through it because it wasn't just me being called. It was us being called. And I, I had been on every mission trip that he'd ever been on. We were in it together. I loved missions. But I had one son in college and... Um, he was on athletic scholarship and had already transferred schools. And back in the day, you only had one transfer. And so he was stuck in eastern Kentucky finishing up college. My daughter was a senior in high school. Our daughter, our son, yeah. was a senior in, <laughs> in high school. And she was choosing, in the process of choosing, a college. And so, for, and then we had been in, this, in our church and in this place for... Um, 21 yeah 19 years 19 years and so it was the only um church it was the only ministry it was the only friends everything that a family we had my family was here in memphis but i'd been away from them now for 19 years and and i mean constant visits you know but uh, i had not lived in the same city with me so one move to another was no big deal uh, for as they were concerned so anyway he said, I will not make you do this. This is our decision, but I, I, and I want you to pray about it, and, and we'll see. And it took me almost a full year to be able to lay it down, to be able to say, yes, I'm going, whatever that, that means. But the Lord is, you know, is good, and the, the more we seek him, the more he speaks, the more time we spend in his word, the more clarity we'll get on his will. And so as I was praying and reading um, one morning, he gave me a verse out of Isaiah. And it said, I will bring your sons and your daughters to you. And I said, but Lord, I only have one son and one daughter. He said, but they'll marry. I'll bring them to you. And I said, okay. And so that day I said, I'm ready to go. And we resigned our church. And... Um, we headed for the mission field. God has been faithful, and he's brought my son and my uh, daughter-in-law and my two grandchildren. As the crow flies, live about a, a mile from us on the road. It take, it's about three miles from us. Our daughter is now living in Texas, but <laughs> she was here for a lot of years, and we were, she, when she went to Texas, we said, See you, Amanda. <laughs> you know, it, it's all good. And so um, he fulfilled his promise. And so that's the thing I would say, you know, in that decision, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt when he said, um, when the Lord said, I want you to do this, whether it's his, you know, in uh, staff, uh, being on church staff or in the pastorate. I mean, I know my place. Y'all might not think it by the way I talk now, but I really do know my place. He is my head, and I would never step out apart from him and apart from uh, his leading and um, as we co-teach in our Sunday school class, I never teach if he's not there. He opens us. He closes us. You know, he, he directs the class. I am his helper. You know, I, uh, I help him teach. But you know, it was the same way when we came to Bellevue, the decision to come here. When Dr. Rogers asked us to come, it was a thing where 
we prayed through it together. It was a twofold decision, you know, together. We've been in oneness on all those decisions. And it's like I said to you earlier, any major decision in our life, it's always been us. It's never been me. It's never been her. It's always been us. Now, I realize sometimes the head of the family, which is a husband, has to make the final call, okay? I realize that. You know, I heard the guy today on a video I was watching said, you know, with two people riding a horse, only one of them holds the reins, and that's the one in front. And I think that was, you know, I've thought about that. That's how true that is. There are points where the husband has to make the final call when, when you get to that point. All right? Maybe another question. Yes. I think the one of the main things is um, allowing your spouse to have as much equal time or special situations um, to try to even that out. For instance, Steve loves to hunt, and he has he's had some wonderful opportunities to go and to to spend you know a couple of weeks away from home at a time. Uh, on in these hunting expeditions and things and so for him to be able to say you know Ellie you deserve some time you deserve to get to to go and you know financially my my brother and sister-in-law have a great thing going um, if he spends $45 on playing golf she gets $45 in her kitty you know and so they they you know it's worked for them uh, we would have been bankrupt a long time ago. <laughs> uh, it, that's never worked out at our house. But to be able to um, graciously give open time or special times or, you know, some way to make the spouse that's not getting to go or not uh, participating in those kinds of activities um, to feel as treasured or as special to, uh, to work those things You out. know, you've got to be real careful that your outlets, like, you know, I know there was a point in our life where, we, where I played a lot of softball. You know, there are things like that that can consume your life, all right? You know, I remember I, I had back surgery, and I had gotten really good at golf. You know, if any of you play golf in here, the, the better you get, the more you want to play, all right? And it really did. It was here. I'm pastoring a church and really good. You know, they say anytime a preacher plays good golf, he's playing way too much. You know, that's I've heard all those. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the Lord really showed me. And I had back surgery. I was out of the pulpit for a couple months before I could go back. And the first message I preached was what's in your garage. And the reason and the basis of that is there are things in all of our lives that can take us away from God or take us away from our family. You know, it could be a boat. You know, it's wonderful if you've got a lake house. You know, I know people. But that lake house and weekends tend to pull you away from church and the Lord. And so there are things that, that you can be involved in that you enjoy that can pull you away from the Lord, can pull you away from your spouse. And you've got you've to beware of those and see early on. But the other thing Ellie touched on was... We have our space. We give each other space to do. She loves to go to lunch with her, her buddies, and they do it. seem like every time somebody has a birthday, they have a lunch. Well, her group's pretty big, so that's a lot of lunches. <laughs> and, and she has that space and all. That's what she enjoys. And sometimes her joy is when I'm gone, all right, to be honest. She loves it. Once, she doesn't have to cook any meals. She can read, do whatever she wants to. She can get up when she wants to, to go to bed when she wants to. She loves that. But so don't, don't let her kid you that she feels like when I'm gone, she's been shortchanged. She's really being blessed. No, I, I have loved it, and I admit that. And I've counseled some uh, young marrieds in that, you know, and that when they're gone, then you get to do what you want to do. But the, the, 
downside to that is those of you that have young children or children in the home. See, we're empty nesters, and so when he's gone, then I really do get to do what I want to. But um, when you still have children at home, you know, there have been times I've said, when do I get a day off? Yeah, that's and, true. And you have to work at those yeah. because there's always laundry to be done or there's always the responsibilities to be fulfilled or children to, to take care of. So you really do have to work at this thing. It doesn't, it doesn't come easy. You know, it, it's a work in progress to figure out how to say I love you, how to give space, how to uh, encourage and bless each other in the process. All right, one more question. Our time is up. I don't want to keep you. I know you've got kids probably in the nursery. Feel free to hop up if you need to go get them real quick. But we'll take one more. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll be back next week, you know, uh, depending on how things go. I know everything right now is up in the air, you know, but we've really enjoyed being with you tonight. Let me say that. And, you know, please, if you need help in any area of marriage, get, get help, okay? And, uh, you know, Ellie and I, we would make ourselves available. If you, if you just need to talk to a couple, we, we would do that. So, uh, and we've got an incredible counseling ministry here, so uh, do that. But anything else before we go? Anything? Yes. Well, I, I, let me, I really am the passive one. I know y'all don't believe me, but I really am. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it comes back to kind of what we were saying there, that, that grace situation and time to talk. You got it. Unemotionally gotta. as much as possible. And to be able to say, I, I, I'm not liking how things are going or this this situation or this bothers me or not feeling like you're hearing me um type of thing and yeah. not to feel like because looking back you know when i would get to that point where uh, you probably don't cry but i would cry <laughs> ugly tears and you know just throw me a little fit you know, because I, I felt like I wasn't getting my fair share, you know, or I wasn't being heard, or I was getting, you know, had all these kids and laundry and stuff. And um, to be able to, if looking back, to have been able to say, I need some help here. I need us to, to be more even in this thing. And this is where I need help. Or this is where I feel pushed around or not heard or you know that type thing you know if you don't do that eventually all that stuff you've shoved down inside is going to go somewhere and either you're going to blow up or you're going to walk away and that's what we see all the time we see couples who've refused to do what ellie just said in talking and airing their problems then or to get help or to go sit down with someone and get help Instead of doing that, they just walk away. And all they do is walk away to another similar situation. And Steve's mom one time said, you know, Ellie, we're a lot alike. She said, um, you know, we just put up with things, and we just put up with things, and we just let them roll. And then when we've had enough, we crucify. And I've seen that in myself. I'll mash it down, and I'll mash it down, and I'll mash it down, and then I explode. She explodes. And I hurt somebody in the process. Yeah. And that's not who I want to be. So learning how to talk yeah, helps. That's the key. All right. Well, let me pray for you. And again, you know, thank you all for being here tonight. And we want to continue to pray for, for Susan and the boys. You know, what an incredible journey they've got ahead of them. One they didn't expect to be taken without dad, without the husband. You know, that's a, that's a tough situation. So pray for them. And, and then, you know, I want to pray for your marriage too. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for just your faithfulness. And, Lord, I come and lift my brothers and sisters to you in this room. 
God, I just ask that you would speak to their hearts now. I pray your blessings upon these homes that are represented here, upon their children. God, I ask that you would surround them with your love, your peace, your protection, and your provision. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Lord, I pray that provision for each and every family here, asking your blessings upon them. And Lord, we do pray for Susan tonight and the boys. God, that you would grant them grace, that you would grant them comfort as they walk through these next several days especially. Lord, surround them with your loving arms, bless them, and care for them. And Father, we do thank you for Tim's life and how it touched every one of us in this room. And Lord, we thank you for just your blessings, Lord, and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.